We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tony Skin is home. He's back at George Mason as the head coach of the Patriots, part of their legendary 2006 Final Four run as a player, as the point guard steering the ship. Now he is the leader on the sidelines. And Tony joins us on Off the Carousel here on the field of 68. I'm John Fanta. And Coach Skin, you've jumped right in. You've had to... To get right to work, has it sank in, though, at all, where, where you might look around a, a day or, or get a moment to just say, wow, I am back at George Mason? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely, um, it's been a world when I'm in my car and I'm just thinking about different things, and then it finally hits me at some point um, in my thought that, you know, damn, I am the head coach at, at, at my alma mater. Um, and then something else pops in my brain and I'm thinking of a, of a solution, but it's definitely been, it's been exciting. Um, I haven't had a chance to really just, you know, let it sink in just yet. Um, I'm sure that'll come at some point, but no time soon. Take me back to when you actually head to George Mason because I don't think folks know this or, or maybe they don't know it as well. You were at Lynn College yeah, before, before you ended up at George Mason. So what made you fall in love with George Mason back then that you want your current players and your future players to know? Well, I think the, the one thing was, um, you know, like you said, I had to go to junior college. And my first stop was um, at Blinn Community College in Texas, long way away from home in D.C. Um, and I didn't have a good experience, to be quite honest with you. And so I ended up transferring to another JUCO, um, Hagerstown Community College. And it was there that, you know, my recruitment kind of picked up. I played well in a couple of um, tournaments, you know, prior to the season. And um, I just remember Coachell coming to come watch me. And he put the idea in my head that he didn't need to evaluate me anymore. And if I wanted to, I could come to George Mason and I would have three. Um, Last time I checked, you know, three is more than two when it comes to years and, you know, eligibility. And so that kind of that that stuck with me. And so I would say to start with, um, it was the people, you know, it was Coachell, his staff, um, as you guys have gotten to know him over the years. I'm the type of person that he is. Obviously, Coach Conkle, who was the head coach at Tulsa, 
Um, he was the lead recruiter um, for me when I was transitioning. And so, you know, I would say it was the people, it was the campus. Um, it's it's that school that's in the city, but not really in the city. Um, it's a bigger school than most people realize. You know, there's almost 40,000 students that go to George Mason. Um, that's a pretty, pretty big number. Um, you know, that, that, that was a big reason why I chose George Mason as a player. Lamar Butler, your teammate, and, and he's serving as a, a member of your staff, talked about your level of connection and, and just how important he thinks that is and, and how important it was back then when you guys go all the way to the Final Four. Hmm. But when you think about the connection, the, the power of the people, and that run. Yeah. What's the biggest thing that comes to your mind about what you and George Mason University showed the world? I mean, it's 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 one of those things where I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that run. Um, I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity I had as a pro, um, which which laid the foundation for me to be able to get into grassroots right away which then gave me the opportunity to jump into, you know, a high level coaching job for my first year at Louisiana Tech. And then obviously gradually, um, you know, making jumps in the profession without that run, you know, it, it really doesn't, it doesn't happen. None of that happens. Um, and the connectivity is bigger than just, you know, Fairfax, Virginia is bigger than just the DMV. Um, it's kind of nationally because it's always easy to get on the phone with somebody and you introduce yourselves to them and they're like, oh, you know, you're that point guard from George Mason. It's an easier conversation. And it's it's helped me tremendously over the years in, in, in being able to just connect with people that, you know, you don't necessarily know. Um, and then obviously, um, as far as the connection on campus, the connection in the city of Fairfax and this area, it's been unbelievable. It's always been um, being able to be a part of some, something that's special that people will never forget. Um, again, we talk about letting it sink in, you know, as a player, as a 21 year old senior, you know, you make that kind of an accomplishment. You're just a hooper. You're thinking about like today, you're thinking about, okay, well, we just did this. I want to be a pro. You're thinking about all those things. You're not thinking about the exact significance of that type of success. It took me years after the final four for me to realize that, you know, this was definitely something more special than, um, I had realized and you know, it's a big reason why I'm sitting here in front of you. All right, let's take a look at, at what you've been able to do with this roster here as it's the ever-changing off-season climate of college basketball. There is no such thing as an off-season. Um, you were supposed to have a day to maybe rest, and here you are talking to <laughs> my ass. I don't know, I don't know, uh, I don't know how that happened, but but let's think about what you've been able to do. You've added five transfers. Tell us a little bit about what went into how you guys navigated the portal and, and what you see and what you're bringing in. Yeah. I mean, it's um anytime you have a, a new opportunity, I feel like you get the leg up a little bit in the portal. Um, everyone's excited. Um, everyone kind of knows that there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. And obviously when I took the, when I took the job, um, you know, I forget how many scholarships I had, but let's just say I had more. I had a lot. And so we had to, um, you know, myself and the staff, we had to get to work in this ever changing climate. And I think we were able to bring in some really, really good pieces. Um, you know, 
one guy in particular, uh, Darius Maddox from 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 uh, from Virginia Tech, uh, who made almost fifty threes uh, two years ago before having a personal um, personal injury this past year that kept him out. But a kid that I recruited at Seton Hall, it came down to us and and Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech last minute overnight. You know they stole him from us. Um, but you know you know I'm happy to have him back with us. Um, Keyshawn Hall, who I watched two years ago while, while I was at Ohio State. And I remember coming back to the staff and, and, and you know, talking about his versatility, his ability. Um, you know, he's down 40 pounds and he's a completely different player. I think he's going to be really, really good at this level um, at that combo position. I mean, and we also had a couple of local guys who, you know, were looking to come, you know, a little bit closer to home. Um, and, and those guys saw the opportunity they see. You know, at the end of the day, when your roster is bare, is bare, the minutes are there. You know, you have to come and compete and, you know, do all those different things. Um, but they were comfortable with the idea of just knowing me, who I am, knowing my staff. Um, you know, kid Jared Billis from Siena, he's from right around the corner. He's been a really, really good player um, the last couple of years. Big guard, defensive-minded, uh, rebounded really, really well. I think almost seven rebounds a game. Um, Amari Kelly from UNC. Yeah. Uh, Wilmington, you know, who's a big body that you can throw it down in the post. Lefty that I think can play the five four position. I recruited him at La Tech five years ago. I don't know how he's still in college. Um, that's multiple that's, stops ago. That's yeah, multiple stops, man. You throw, you throw, you know, sit outs and COVID in there, and it seems like some of these guys have been in college just as long as I've been coaching. <laughs> so it's um, you know, it's been a tremendous you know, past five, six weeks for myself, for my staff, um, you know, we're excited. I think we got a really, really good group of guys along with some of the guys that, you know, stayed here, um, you know, Devin Dinkins, um, you know, Malik from Texas, who I knew because uh, he was from about an hour away from uh, La Tech, believe it or not. Um, Ronald Polite, who's been really, really good in this league. You know, you're talking a guy that can go get you, you know, 15 and eight every single night. Mm -hmm. Um those guys staying on board. We have a freshman kid, Austin Ball, that's coming in who just played in the uh, in the Capital Classic and you know did really well. Um, so I think we have we've got a pretty good um, got a chance. Ronald, you just brought up a fifteen and eight guy, Ronald Polite, the third can be, and and this past year he's a guy who averages close to twelve points per game, four assists per game as well, and the way that he can move the basketball. Have you placed that challenge to a guy that, okay, he's done it in the Atlantic 10, he's been a part of this program, he's worn the uniform to, to say to him, look, uh, you're a guy that, that I'm relying on to be a leader for this team? Absolutely. You know, when, we, when, I first got the, um, when I first got the job, you know, you look at your statistical, you look at your stat sheet, and um, – <laughs> he becomes instantly without putting one guy on the roster, you know, 90% of your, of your offense and your defense. And so my message to him was clear, you know, you were a leader last year, everyone else that was in that leadership role with you has walked out that door. Now it's time to make that jump. Um, 11 and five is solid, but there's a, there's a, a huge jump that you can make. And I think he took that message um, and, and he got himself right out of the portal. So it's been um it's been a joy to just kind of work with him over the last couple of weeks and knowing that position, especially um, knowing that I can help him, knowing that I know the place, 
Um, knowing the success in the history, um, I, th I think it's working out well. And it's a two-way street. You know, he's going to help me with what, what I'm trying to do, and I'm here to help him. All right, so a little over a decade ago, you were with the Nigerian national team in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And we won't say what the final score of the, of the game was against the United States, but what we will talk about is the fact that as James Harden is lighting up the NBA playoffs, you are still responsible uh, for <laughs> breaking his ankles in a moment in the Olympics. Uh, when was the last time you even saw that highlight? Man, you know what? That thing never goes away. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad, I'm glad you kept the score out of it. Because uh, as a coach now, I'm like, stop sending me these, these video <laughs> clips. Like, you guys see the score? Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's a staple and something that it's definitely in, um, it's in the history books for me as a player. Um, something that I may not show to my kids now, but when I get old and grumpy, it might be something I, I can, you know, kind of peel back to them. But it's, you know, it was a cool experience. It was a dope experience. Um, it's always good to see guys like him um, still playing. You know, when, when it's all said and done, I think it shows um, how much of a high level player he was. You know, you're talking 11 years ago, he was playing at the highest level in the Olympics. And now he's still playing and, you know, trying to win an NBA championship, man. So credit to James Harden. But that was definitely a uh, it's a pretty nice move by myself back then. <laughs> what are you thinking as as Jim Laranega gets the shine? gets all the eyeballs because you can make a tournament run. You could be a consistent winner. There's something that comes with making the final four. And it felt like Tony, as the spotlight got brighter, he just stayed the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who coach L is, man. Um, we know him better than most, but you know, what you guys see in, what the rest of the world sees is, um, I mean, that's just the everyday Jim Laranega. That's how he's always been. You know, I didn't, that was 2006 when I played for him. So you're talking 17 years ago. And as I watched, um, I got a chance to see him um, for a little bit down there in Houston. And, you know, he's just a fun coach to be around. The one thing that he did for us um, through that run, he, ne he never put pressure on us. He never did. And when you see his guys out there competing with no pressure, I think that's the um, it's a big factor in why they've been successful. Um, but he doesn't change his tune. You know, he could be down 12 at halftime. You know, he's just even killed 50-50 and um, he keeps it fun. At, an old, at, at his old age, he still keeps it fun. Yeah. And with dancing and everything in between, just, just yeah. happy, happy, go lucky and fun. But can coach his tail off. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's look at the Atlantic 10 because Quality League has had tournament teams. There's no question about the pedigree of the programs. I do look at, like, VCU went through a, a transition here with, with Mike Rhodes. Yeah. And, and it would look as though right now where the league stands, a bunch of quality programs, but a bit of an open door for perhaps, hey, Who's the new blood who's going to step up in this league and take advantage of what it can offer to a team, to a program? When you assess the league, do you sort of see it that way? And and maybe how do you view things in terms of, okay, here's how we at George Mason can step through that open doorway? Yeah, it's definitely um, – it's a blessing to have this opportunity for one – 
Um, and secondly, you know, I have so much respect for this league. Um, when I played, George Mason was obviously in the CAA. Right. And um, between George Mason, you know, VCU, um, you know, we were pretty dominant in, in that league. And so to see DC, VCU and what they've done over the last couple of years, um, you know, now that they have a new regime, I'll say, and, and all credit goes to Mike Rhodes. He's done a tremendous job in this league. Just like you said, um, I feel as though the league is open. I really do. And when you look at the DMV, and again, I'm biased, you know, some coaches won't like this, but I think we have the hotbed of talent. And with George Mason being right inside of that bubble, um, I do think we have a, an advantage in recruiting um, between myself, between my staff that knows this area so well and have those, you know, real relationships. We're going to get a chance to recruit at a high level um, in this league that it's, it's going to make it it's going to make it tough for some of the other teams in the league. Um, we have to win our area. We have to win in the two, three hour um, radius. And if we're doing that, we're going to have a chance to bring in some really, really good talent, um, which is where it starts. And so, yeah, I think it's a, it's an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity in this league for sure. Sure. All right. If I told you two or three years ago, Tony, two or three years ago, I say to you, all right, you will be the head coach of George Mason obviously fulfilling a dream. Kim English, and I'm telling you this in, in this order, Kim English will be the head coach at Providence. <laughs> Ed Cooley's going to be at Georgetown, and Kevin Willard will be in the Big Ten. He'll be at Maryland. What would you have said to me? I would have told you, because you you're saying two, three years, two, three years ago, I was still in South Orange, and I would have told you that you lost your damn mind. <laughs> that's what I would have said but I would have took it with 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 grace because you know it would have been it would have been an opportunity for me to be a head coach um Jim that's 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 hoops man that's the full circle of basketball man you just never know these dominoes you know I just remember even when I was at the hall with Kevin Willard when we came down to um play Maryland yeah and you know, we 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 won that game, and that was a really really good Maryland team. I believe they won the Big Ten that year. Um, I remember getting back on the bus, going back to um, you know, going back to Jersey. Like, man, that was a staple win. And Kevin Willard could very well be the next head coach at Maryland. I just remember that thought, and then got rid of it. And you know, three years later, man, that's exactly what happened. So it's 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 um, that's the cir full circle of basketball, man. You just never know. I'm just glad to be in the right rotation at the right time, man. That's it. As George Mason fans show up for games in the upcoming 2023-24 season, when they sit down, what style of play can they expect from the Patriots? Um, we're 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 gonna be we're gonna be exciting. We're gonna play fast. Um, I've learned a lot over the last couple of years with some of the guys that I've worked for and worked with. Um, but I, I'll, I'll give Kevin Willard a lot of credit. You know, you know, Coach Kev more than anybody else. Um, the, the the offensive freedom that I'm going to allow my guys to play with is going to be predicated by the way we defend. Um, we are going to press. We're going to see that. We're going to see that two two one press. Um, be a little bit different than than what we did at Seton Hall for those years, but um, similar in a sense to it's a combination of what we did here at George Mason with Coach L 
Um, but it's going to be fun, exciting. We're going to have we're going to have a lot of fun, um, you know, ball screens, um, you know, taking advantage of mismatches. Um, and, and I'm going to give my guys offensive freedom. And that's that's the player's way um, of, of that's the way the players want to play. And that's the way I want to coach. George Mason, President Gregory Washington, said at his introductory press conference, who better? Who better to lead those Patriots than Tony Skin? Coach Skin, best of luck in year one. We appreciate the time on Off the Carousel. Now, I appreciate you having me on, John, anytime, man. Appreciate it. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee-in-the-morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is, AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one, and man, that could not be more true it's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of february and the month of march when you are in my business and ag1 was exactly the supplement that i needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional basis for the day i've continued that into april i've continued that into may and i'm going to continue that the rest of the summer all i have to do is mix a scoop of ag1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and i'm ready to go do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of Off the Carousel here on the Field of 68, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by a guy I've known for a long time who was getting his first crack at being a Division I head coach at the ripe old age of 38, Grant Billmeyer, New Jersey Institute of Technology, the Highlanders. Grant, congrats, man. Really happy for you. Really happy for your family. Thanks a lot, Rob. It's uh... You know, it's, it took a lot of years, a lot of hard work to get here, and I'm honored to be the head coach at NJIT. One thing I don't envy for coaches in your position are guys that are getting the their first head coaching gigs in the middle of the transfer portal era. <laughs> Take me through what it's like to step onto a campus for the first time where you have to re-recruit your roster 
and also go out and try to identify the players that can fit onto your roster that are at a different level than what you were recruiting before. Like I got to imagine the last month has been something of a whirlwind for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, I got an opportunity to come in and spend three weeks with our returning guys. I, I was at every workout Monday through Friday. I really wanted to know what I have with the players. And more importantly, I wanted them to know, you know, how I was going to be on the court. Um, you know, my, my intensity, what I'm going to demand out of them. So th those three weeks, it was really good kind of to see who was going to be able to play for me and, and my style and, and and who wasn't. And I think the guys that are remaining on the roster, I think they're all going to have great years. And I think they really turned the corner on those three weeks. And I know they're, they're excited going home and, you know, working to, towards the future and looking forward to coming back in July. Um, and then, and then the transfer port, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, it's, you're recruiting a different type of player than I was recruiting, you know, a month ago when I was at the university of Maryland and, um, and the academics here are, are, are very rigorous and, you know, you, it's, it's a different kind of kid that, you know, I, I was recruiting academically than in the past. And, you know, they have to be extremely, uh, high GPA wise. And so, so that's been a little different, but it's a challenge, um, that I knew coming in and something I really embraced and it's, it's, it's been really good. And, you know, there, there, there's no, there's no gray areas. It's either, you know, he's a really good student and he can get in, he can do the work or, He's an average student. We're not going to be able to get him in. So it's uh, it's been a very straightforward process. Could you have gotten into NJIT coming out of high school? <laughs> Being that I went to St. Pat's and I had a pretty high GPA, yes. If, if I went to a different high school, well, I, I would have been a favor. That's for sure. It depends on how good they want it to be at basketball, huh? That, that's, <laughs> the, that's the real answer. Um, what has been the, the biggest adjustment? going to an America East program. You're, you went from one of the leagues at the top of the sport to one of the leagues that's going to be a one-bid league. I just think you you, you got to do everything, you know, yourself. You know, you, you walk into Maryland and you win a few games. Um, you know, Coach Weller did a tremendous job getting the fan base back and excited, and I think it's a place he's going to be at for a while. But, um, you know, looking over my shoulder is 3,500-seat arena. That's one of the best – I think it should be one of the best home court advantages in college basketball. And now it becomes, how do we get people in there? How, how do you sell tickets? How do, how do you make it a good home court advantage? When you're at a place like, you know, Maryland, you're not necessarily thinking about that. How do you, you know, get engaged with the students and, you know, make, make it fun to come to NJIT basketball game. Um, you know, not, not a lot of, not a lot of tradition in history here. So how do you, how do you get recruits excited about NJIT? How, how do you, how do you get them on campus? Because you know, once you get them on campus, they leave here blown away because the Wellness and Events Center, seven years old, it's the facilities are top notch you know, on the same level as a high major college basketball program. But I think it's just all about all a matter of getting the kids here and then letting them see what, what what's in place and the vision that I have for this program along with along with my staff. So when you when you take over the program, right, you have a lot of guys on that roster that aren't necessarily the players that you brought in. You mentioned uh, talking about your style, how you want to play, how you want to coach. How much of that is going to be adjusting to what you have right now? How much of that is going to be, all right, this is what I want to do. We're going to try to do it my way. Like, how do you have how flexible do you have to be maybe in what you're running and what you're putting together and the plan that you're putting together for uh, this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I think that's so there's always a way you kind of envision like when I get my first job, you know, this is how I want my teams to look. And it's more so do the players fit into that? So you you could want to 
play a certain offense. You want to play a motion offense, a Princeton offense, a uh, f- five-out offense. And then, and then you get to a place and you, you, you kind of learn early on, all right, well, you know, I can recruit to that style that I want to play in, but what I inherited and what, I, what I'm getting kind of in the spring doesn't necessarily fit that. Um, but I think I think you just got to, you know, I've always been a student of the game and, you know, I, I've been fortunate where I learned from a guy for 12 years that 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 was unbelievable at adjusting from a season to season and the game to game where, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and put in an offense and play defense that fits my player's personnel. Like, I can't say, all right, this is how I want to play. You guys got to adjust if it's not allowing them to play at their best of their abilities. So has there been any any adjustment that you weren't expecting moving over to being the head coach? Has it been kind of what you thought you'd be getting into, into this role? Like, has it been anything that has surprised you? Uh, I mean, you're really just moving over one seat on the bench, but all of a sudden all the responsibility comes back to you. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely different. You know, every decision, um, every decision kind of falls on me. Um, But I, I knew that coming in. And when I said to someone, you know, you, you sometimes get a job and you get a good feel, but you really don't know until you're a month in. And I remember leaving this place on Monday saying, man, this is, this is a great job. This is everything I hope it would be. And then some, but sometimes you go for a job and then, you know, you hear about guys in the first week of their job, they're like, Oh man, I wish I could go back to being an assistant where I was at. And, you know, there's certain things they didn't know or, or, or weren't informed of during the interview process, but there has there hasn't been anything that's caught me by surprise. Only really good stuff, and there's there's tremendous people here in the athletic department that are you know re- really supportive of both me and the kids that are in the program. All right, so I did a bunch of research on your Wikipedia page, and yes, oh, you geez. are important enough to have a Wikipedia page. And according to my math, you spent roughly thirty five of your thirty eight years on this earth as a resident of New Jersey. You did a year in College Park. We don't have to talk about that. But you're back, man. Are you are you are you happy to be back? Like you're you're Jersey through and through. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I I know this state so well. Um, the only difference in what I've learned that's a little bit different from when I left um, last year to coming back now is tra- traffic is terrible. Um, you know, I, I think when I was leaving, people were in that phase of. Everyone was kind of going back to work five days a week. Um, but now, like, I, it doesn't matter if I leave six o'clock in the morning or, you know, if I leave nine o'clock at night, you, you, you're you going to hit some traffic. Um, so I, I don't miss the New Jersey traffic. Obviously, there was traffic heading to work in College Park. You know, I'd go the D.C. way, um, but it wasn't that bad. But New Jersey traffic, which should be, uh, you know, a 20 minute ride is pretty much like a 45 minute ride so the 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 jersey traffic is is much worse than ever it it, than it ever has been you know it's bad when you're coming from dc and you're saying the traffic is real i lived in dc for 10 years i hated driving there that's (laughs) that's how you know it's bad all right so we're we're gonna put some of your jersey knowledge to the test here i got some questions written out for you all right first and foremost is it uh taylor ham or pork roll definitely taylor ham i I don't know what pork roll is What's the uh, what's the best way to eat it? On a, on a bagel, egg, and cheese sandwich. All right, good. That's that's uh, you got two of those right. Does Central Jersey exist? Absolutely. I I grew up in Central Jersey, so I like to say N- North Jersey is kind of where I am, where I'm working at in Newark, that area, and and above Bergen County. 
South Jersey is, is Cherry Hill. Central Jersey to me, that's, you know, that's where I'm from. Pennington, New Jersey, Princeton, Trenton, Hamilton, um, Jersey Shore. I, I like to consider that Central Jersey. So I think there's a North, there's a Central, and there's a South. Yeah, my wife actually grew up in Hamilton, and she says the exact same thing. She dies on that hill. Don't ever say anything <laughs> to her about Central Jersey not existing. We'll have a fight on your hand. All right. Are you a tomato pie guy? You're from right outside Trenton. That's where they're from. I am. Yeah, there, there, there's not a pizza that I don't like, Ralph. Um, Maryland, I, I had more crab cakes and, and, and seafood than I could ever ask for. Um, but I probably going back to eating pizza five times a week. You'll, you'll probably see me this time next summer at a recruiting event and be like, geez, Grant, you having enough pizza, I'll definitely put on about 25 pounds of all the pizza I'm going to eat over the next year. You're going to come back uh, being shaped like Jeff Goodman, which is never a good thing. All right. What do you call it in the summer when you go to the beach for a weekend? Um, Are you a down the shore guy? Yeah, uh, yeah that, that would be the terminology. Yeah, head into the beach. Yeah, I, I can't I can't get on board with the down the shore stuff. I live <laughs> I live right outside Philly now, and that's what everybody says. Fans yeah. started saying it too. I can't I can't get on board with that. <laughs> What's the best beach to go to at the Jersey Shore? Ooh, man, that's close. What, what, what are we talking currently? Like Grant as a family man? Are we talking about Grant as like a twenty two year old? Like I I would say. Right out of college, probably Manasquan, because, you you know, you could go to Manasquan, you could do a nice little afternoon lunch at Leggett's, and then, and then you could make your way over to DJ's at night. Uh, now, as a 38-year-old, you know, a father of two, I like to go a little bit further south to the Bayhead, Lavalette area. Um, that's that's where I'll spend my times, and I'll, uh, I'll stay away from the Belmar night scene. <laughs> Smart man. Last one I got for you, Wawa or Sheets? Definitely Wawa. That's that's uh, yeah. I can't even say I've eaten at Sheets. <laughs> not a lot of people have, man. Yeah. There's a there's a reason it has a nickname. Um, I'm not going to say it on here. Uh, serious question now, though. You saw firsthand what Kevin Willard could do at Seton Hall at a program that maybe didn't have the same pedigree as some of the best programs in the Big East, and maybe didn't have the same level of resources that some of the other programs did. What did you What did you learn from that? And what did you learn from him that will allow you to do something to kind of grow NJIT, which I, I, I kind of view it as the same situation in the America East as Seton Hall was in the Big East. Well, what is What can you take away from working for him and seeing the success that he had at the other school in Newark? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing with Coach Willard is the, the way he prepared for everything. It, it didn't matter whether it was an NCAA tournament game or you know, a guarantee game against a team that was three and twelve. He 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 prepared every single day, like his job was on the line. Um, his work ethic is insane. You know, his the time he puts into player development, and you know, you can look at the guys we've had. The guys we had our last you know six years at Seton Hall, we had five guys that wound up being on NBA roster at one point. Um, so just being being incredibly hands-on with everything. Um, I just think he has an incredible – he's a very smart man and his basketball knowledge is off the charts. So hopefully some of that rubbed off onto me and and uh, and it leads me to have, you know, a, a good first season. Has he 
scheduled you yet or is he afraid does he is he ducking the smoke we all know that you were the the success behind seton hall you were the brains behind that uh, program. i was not i was not that was not. <laughs> we, we had some good players um sandro miles angel isaiah desi jared Roden. so we, we had some really good players that that were, were helped him get that program to the next level you know Rob, we're, we're not playing when i got the job um uh, miami and wake forest was scheduled uh, we got a Miami opening night of the season. We play a Wake Forest later. And then I wanted to find two guarantee games that made sense. So we're playing Fordham, which, you know, if we don't hit traffic, is 45 minutes away. And then, you know, Tony Skin is a, a very close friend of mine. Um, so we're also going to be playing George Mason. Um, you know, it's funny. Even when people knew I was in the mix for the job, they were reaching out to me about games. And every day a guy on my staff says, oh, yeah, this school wants to play. I said, that's good, but we better not be having this problem in three years. If everyone's, if every high major wants to play us, every mid-major wants to play us in three years, that's an issue. You, you, you hear things about, you know, I was on a call and a really good mid-major program was saying, no one wants to play us. We can't get home and homes. We can't get guarantees. And if that's how your program looks in a few years, then that's a good problem to have as opposed to everyone and their mothers calling, emailing, texting you and say, hey, we got open dates. Can we, can we make this work? <laughs> yeah you don't want to be popular when it comes to putting it to, together those schedules no no not at all well listen Grant, i appreciate the time in again congratulations on the job i only live an hour away uh depending on traffic so i promise you i will be up there for at least one game i'm gonna bring the family we're gonna make njit fans out of them this has been off the carousel grant bill meyer the new jersey is it njit or new jersey institute of technology what are we going with um We'll go with NJIT, you know, because you got kids, I got kids. My kids can't, you know, drop the whole New Jersey Institute of Technology, but I get a, I get a good NJIT from both of them. Well, we'll turn them into Highlanders, man. Grant, appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot, Rob. Have a good one, man. <laughs>